Good morning, Lamb of God family. I am so excited to be bringing you the message again this morning. And for those of you who might not know who I am, maybe you've seen me talking to you week after week and you're just wondering, why is this lady now speaking in Pastor Tim's spot? Well, hey, I am Megan Fondren, and I am so honored and privileged to be bringing you and sharing with you the wisdom and the revelation and the knowledge of our Lord that the Spirit has given me to share with you this morning. Because honestly, I am just this average Jane, so to speak. I mean, I have no history of going to seminary, no degree in theology. I have no license to preach, or I guess no license to be a pastor and no license to teach, but I am called to preach. I'm called to be a missionary to Montrose and to the surrounding communities. I'm a real person living a real life, working out my salvation, and honestly reaping the benefits of a free, full, fruitful life in Christ. And God has called all of us to share the good news. So that's what I want to do with you all this morning. Thank you so much for having me. And first and always, let's pray together. God, thank you for this opportunity to serve you this morning. Lord, you've called me to preach, God, to inspire, to encourage. So I pray today that the word that you have given me will go forth and accomplish what you desire to achieve and the purpose for which you have sent it, Lord. I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to come upon each of us today, Lord, so that we may know you better. And I pray that the eyes of our hearts are enlightened in order that we may know the hope to which you have called us. God, perfect what is lacking in our faith today so that you can get more glory and more honor to your name. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. So if you've been with us since at least the beginning of the new year, you know that we've been in this really good series that has allowed us to explore the reasons why we're doing this whole church thing here at Lamb of God Fellowship. But if you're checking us out for the first or second time this morning and you're not quite sure what's going on, first of all, welcome. It's my prayer and I trust that you are feeling God's presence, even if it is through the internet, that's totally fine. But anyway, just to catch you up, we've been in this series called Join the Journey. And it's been this really awesome and powerful time that we've taken to reflect and explore the core values that we have here at this church. And it's allowed us to examine our motives for gathering corporately, and then also it's helped put into perspective the reason that we're here for the calling that God has put on us as a church family. And it's not just meant to help us, you know, be accountable for that calling that God's given us for such a time as this, although it has been a really great and powerful and empowering reminder. But the purpose of this series is also to inspire you to join the journey because those passions and those desires and those talents that you have in your life, God put them there. And he wants to see you come alive when you realize that the purpose is for it to be used for him, to bring him glory. And what better way to do that than to get plugged into your local church that's on fire for the Lord, has a heart to see souls saved, lives changed, chains broken, and freedom reign. So that is the point of this series this morning, and I hope that you join the journey with us. So anyway, to catch us up, over the last few weeks, we've covered three out of the five core values that we hold here at Lamb of God Fellowship. The first week, Pastor Tim shared with us the emphasis that we put on Scripture. We are committed to learning and living the truth that we find in God's Word. The next week, we learned about excellence, and we discovered that really everything that we do is an act of worship, so should be done with our best as if doing it for the Lord. 
Last week, we dove into the value of being charismatic. We are spirit-filled and spirit-directed here at this church. We're in a relationship with Jesus. We are not chasing some religion. So this week, I want to explore the value of freedom, living a full and fruitful life in Christ. And it's my prayer that if you're not doing so already, that by the end of this morning's message, you will be inspired to step into this life of freedom and fullness and fruitfulness that Jesus intends for you to have. So when preparing this message today, I, I wasn't sure what approach to take because I was a little bit overwhelmed with the number of scriptures and Bible stories that I found on freedom. Well, then digging in, I found that's really because Jesus himself made the claim that this was the reason that he came in the first place. And we find this declaration when we read Jesus's first ever recorded sermon that's found in Luke chapter four. You know, he had already at this time been, you know, to the desert to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. He'd been tempted by the devil there. And then he's already been baptized in water and the Holy Spirit. So this man was ready to preach. And I'm going to read from us Luke chapter four, verses 18 through 19 from the NIV this morning. And the Bible tells us that he went into the synagogue as was his custom. And he stood up and read from the scroll from Isaiah, which read, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he, he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. <laughs> so honestly, I had to laugh when I read this chapter from Luke chapter, the whole entire Luke chapter four. Because I can just picture Jesus, this tremendous speaker that the Bible describes as using gracious words and that everybody was amazed whenever they heard him speak. But the fact is, as we read on further into Luke chapter four, Jesus made this huge claim that we just read about here. And then the Bible tells us that he rolls the scroll back up, hands it to the attendant, and he just goes and he sits down. And I laugh, this, this makes me laugh because like most of you, I'm sure, I tend to personify Jesus with somebody that I know. Now, don't get me wrong. Of course, I use biblical concepts, you know, the characteristics that are described in the Bible when it comes to who Jesus is and what his character is like and his personality. But it makes me feel like I'm actually hanging out with him and that I know him in real life and I don't have to wait to heaven to get to know him when I kind of picture him as similar qualities to somebody that I already know, that I already like, that I already hang out with. And in this passage, he reminds me of how one of my two older brothers might preach a sermon. Because you see, my two older brothers are what some might consider a little bit cocky, but once you get to know them, you realize that they're not cocky at all. They're actually just self-confident. They know who they are and they know whose they are but they love to leave people guessing. They love to make people think really deeply. And that's what I picture Jesus doing here. He reads this profound text from Isaiah. He's alluding to something, something, but the people just can't quite figure out what it is. And then he rolls that scroll back up, hands it to the attendant, and he goes and he sits down. <laughs> and the Bible tells us that the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. So I can just picture him getting all giddy inside, filled up with the Holy Spirit, ready to preach his first sermon. And he thinks everything is going really, really well because he's left people intrigued. He's left this cliffhanger. People are just on the edge of their seats and their eyes are fastened on him. 
And so he finally finishes the sermon. And as most of us know, the sermon that he preached that day was actually not very well received at all. It was preached in Nazareth, which was his hometown. And the people there just couldn't get past the fact that this is, isn't this just Joseph's son? That's what the Bible says. And after he finishes his message that day, the Bible tells us that the people were furious and drove him out of town. They wanted to throw him off a cliff for crying out loud. I mean, this is not a great way to start your ministry as a preacher, but thankfully that did not deter Jesus. That did not get him off of the calling that God put on his life. He kept on going, thank God. And really that's not the point that I wanna make in today's Bible story. I just wanted to give us the background and set things up because it's what Jesus said after he rolled that scroll up, handed it back to the attendant and went and sat down. All eyes were on him. And this is what he says after he makes that profound statement about coming to set the oppressed free. Jesus says in Luke chapter four, verse 21, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This was so profound and powerful to me to the whole reason Jesus came was to set the captives free and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I got so excited to write this message when I discovered this purpose because there are far too many Christians living in the chains that have already been broken. Yet the enemy has us deceived into thinking that these are just not chains anymore. They're just a part of our normal everyday life that we've come accustomed to. Or maybe some of us do recognize them for what they are and we know that they're chains, but we just haven't realized if we look down that they're already broken and all we have to do is shake them off. It took me years to really fully grasp this. I mean, the path I was headed down was one of bondage, shame, and guilt so heavy on my soul that who knows where I would even be today. I honestly don't even know if I would be a part of the church if it weren't for that youth rally when I was 17 years old. And that was just the beginning for me. That's when I realized that Jesus broke the bondage and set me free. But it wasn't until about five years later when I started attending a life-giving church finally. And then a little while later after that, when I started having children where the real revelation of what this freedom really means hit me. The burden of religion and doing good in my own strength was lifted. Oh my goodness. And don't get me wrong. This is still an ongoing process for me today. There are still so many times that I look at those familiar old chains and I think how easy it would be to put them back on. But thank you, Jesus, that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman and he is so kind to remind me that his ways are so much better. Maybe some of you can relate because no matter what happens, though, now I know who the son sets free is free indeed. Now, don't get confused when we talk about freedom. Okay, so I don't want us to misinterpret the word freedom with the world's version of freedom. So I want to take a minute to explore what the world's version is here because we've been conditioned to think and even have this automatic response to thinking that freedom is all about us, me, self. 
I mean, sadly, it seems to be especially true in our Western culture and even some Western religions that preach the gospel of I can do what I want, when I want, however I want, all in the name of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I mean, my literal internet dictionary copy and paste definition of freedom is the power or right to act, speak, or think as one wants without hindrance or restraint. Ooh, how scary it is to trust Google <laughs> or the world for that matter. Because this definition of freedom paints Jesus in a mighty tempting light. Jesus paid for my sins and now I'm free to sleep with whomever I want. Go to the bar after work instead of go home to my family. Jesus paid for my sins and now I'm free to take these pills because they're a prescription and my doctor prescribed them for me. I mean, are these examples a little too sinful for you holy people out there? Okay, let's try this one. Jesus paid for my sins and now I'm free to speak hate and post vile things to my social media page, all in the name of standing up for my faith. Oh no, she didn't. <laughs> How about this? Jesus paid for my sins and now I'm free to gossip about a fellow believer who's going through something, who's really struggling, but I don't want to get my hands dirty because I don't want to get involved in their drama. Or how about lose sleep? This one was me. Lose sleep every single night because you know Jesus expects better of you because he died for you. So you better get yourself together and stay up all night worrying about how you're not good enough and how you better be better tomorrow. I mean, really, guys, fill in the blank here. We're all sinners and we've all been slaves to sin. Because when we take on the world's outlook on anything, therefore putting on the flesh and therefore letting sin rule in our lives, Jesus himself says in John 8, 34, that we become slaves to sin. Now the world looks at sin as all those fun things that God doesn't allow us to do, as Pastor Tim put it for us a couple weeks ago. When in reality, regardless of what our current culture thinks, sin is simply missing the mark. It's falling short of our potential and best life found in Christ. And as we learned from our lesson a few weeks ago, sin is what the devil uses to cut us off from God and therefore his promises. And this includes freedom and everything that comes with it. And this sin causes very real, very tangible effects that bind us as slaves, as Jesus put it. And it leads to a distortion of our souls, our minds, our bodies, because we are now out of alignment with our essence and our purpose, which is to be in God's image. And literally and practically speaking, to put it into perspective for us, this will lead to an unrest in our souls, our minds, our bodies. And this is manifested by anxiety, depression, physical illness, fear, chaos, bondage, guilt, anger, excessive fatigue, pain, broken relationships. The list goes on and on and on. This is what Jesus meant by the wages of sin is death because the thing is, just like with the first sin in the Garden of Eden where they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil after God told them not to, it didn't result, that sin did not result in immediate death, but it severed the vine and therefore the source of life and everything good. And slowly the soul, the mind, the body began to just, to just wither. 
And while depression, anxiety, worry, broken relationships, and anger, bondage to our sin won't kill you overnight, it is a medical, scientific fact that over time, these things begin to release what we put into layman's terms, stress hormones. And to save you all the gory details, which I actually think are pretty amazing details, by the way, um, these hormones, if they're released enough, it actually slowly eats away at your health. And it ends up leading to a shorter life expectancy, not to mention poor quality of life. Now, thankfully, the kingdom of God is not of this world, and we cannot let its truth be influenced by the corruption of the world's twisted way of thinking. So let's look at God's version of freedom and how Jesus came to release us from our bondage. The Hebrew word for freedom that was used in this passage that I read earlier is actually really interesting. And I, of course, consulted with our very own Hebrew expert, or at least soon-to-be Hebrew expert, pretty quickly when he gets his degree, because there's no way I'm claiming, any, or I'm claiming any knowledge of the Hebrew language aside from what I read and what I learn from people who do study it. So anyway, when Jesus is reading from the scroll that we described in Luke chapter 4, he's actually reading specifically from the passage found in Isaiah 61 verses 1 through 2. And the original text would have been in Hebrew because it was written in the Old Testament. And the word for freedom in the specific passage is deror. And I'm probably totally butchering the pronunciation, but that's okay. Thank you for your forgiveness and your grace. Um, but deror translated into our language is a release or a flowing freedom. I like this one translation that puts it this way, to move about without restrictions. It's fluid, it's constant, it's a present tense verb, meaning that it's not something that's just done and that's it. It's more of a process of restoration. And biblically speaking, de roar or freedom is used to describe the process of God releasing us from sin and the effects of sin. Those very real, very tangible things that I mentioned earlier. And as Jesus himself claimed in our story from Luke, the purpose of him stepping down off his throne and coming to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, as Matthew 20, 28 puts it, was that we might have this kind of freedom. He paid the price for our chains to be broken and for those prison doors to swing wide so that we can truly walk in the freedom and the fullness of the abundant life that Christ intended for us. If the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. That's from John 8, 36 in the NIV, and this is our memory verse this week. So now the corruption of our mind, our body, our soul can be released, and we can once again become aligned with the Spirit of God at work in us. And the best part is just as sin has real, tangible effects binding us as slaves, being freed indeed by Jesus leads to real, tangible effects of our mind, body, and soul. We step into a life of release of shame, guilt, worry, fear, anger, replaced with righteousness, replaced with confidence as joint heirs in Christ, replaced with rest and peace, perfect love that casts out all fear. And we get to learn to be slow to anger. And these promises that we're now accessing are manifested by healthy bodies free of sickness, pain, chronic disease, sound minds free of worry, anxiety, stress, fear, depression, restored and healthy relationships, victory over addictions, long, healthy quality of life. 
we find as we begin to explore the biblical concept of freedom that we shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. <laughs> This is from the King James Version from John 8.32, and I like the King James Version here because it suggests a process, shall make. Now Jesus tells us in John 14.6 that he is the way, the truth, and the life. So we automatically go through this process of freedom as we simply get to know Jesus, the truth that sets us free. So the more revelation, the more wisdom, the more knowledge we gain of him, the more freedom we obtain. This leads to a fullness and a fruitfulness in our lives that we could never know apart from falling in love with Jesus. We discover love the way God loves, and now you have this desire to help out your fellow Christian going through something in their lives, no matter how dramatic it may seem. We discover joy joy unspeakable and full of glory that will carry us through the most discouraging moments in our lives. We discover peace, the peace that surpasses all understanding that keeps our bodies and our minds at rest, knowing that God is God even in the storm. We discover kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We discover our purpose, which is giving all that we've got to the Lord and doing everything, our best in everything that we do. We discover that our passions and our talents are gifted from above and that they're meant to be used for him. And then we get this desire to do that. And then we get to step into even more freedom and fullness and fruitfulness as we begin to walk in the purpose that God intended for us in the first place. And you know, even when we inevitably mess up because we are human, there is now no condemnation for us in Christ Jesus. In Romans 8, 1, you can find that. But freedom from shame, guilt, and the weight of our sins. And when we make mistakes now, we can allow the Holy Spirit to pick us up, dust us off, and put us right back on that path of peace without wallowing in self-pity or self-doubt or relying on self-strength. Amen for that. When this type of true freedom, de roar, is realized, it is something worth celebrating. And to fully grasp why, I want to look a little deeper into why Jesus mentioned that he came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, or also known as the year of Jubilee. And this tradition was first described by God to the Israelites, actually specifically to Moses, who shared it with the Israelites, in Leviticus chapter 25. And if you're anything like me, you've read Leviticus um, several times, and you just cannot get past the head nodding off to sleep because, oh my word, it is so boring. But you read it anyway because it's God's word and you just know he has something for you in it. Well, with this study, I think I finally found what it is. So uh, anyway, in Leviticus, God is telling Moses to let the Israelites know that he is commanding a year of Sabbath for the land. So just as there is a day of Sabbath or rest for them every seven days, there, so too does the land need rest every seven years. Furthermore, after seven of those seven years of Sabbath for the land, there is to be a year of Jubilee or special celebration. And this works out to be every 50 years because it's at the end of those seven, seven years. Yes, it took me a little minute to figure that math out too. <laughs> but the purpose was to proclaim a release or de roar through the land and all its inhabitants. Now, go back to Leviticus chapter 25 and read it without falling asleep. 
you're welcome. All right, there were three main purposes of this freedom and celebration. First of all, it was to be an entire year of rest. They were not to sow or reap, but to rely solely on God to provide them from the blessing he commands on them. That's how the Bible puts it. While resting in him and the knowledge of that provision. Now, this day and age, the world we're living in right now, we have to work. We cannot take a year off of rest, but it is still relevant to us because we are to rest in God, trusting in his promises and his provision for us. The, pr the pressure of providing for ourselves solely is off of us. This leads to a freedom and a release from thinking that the provision comes from our own effort. And then this allows us a fresh and proper perspective in prioritizing what's actually important in our lives. Second, it was a time of personal liberty, freedom, and release. Those Israelites who in poverty sold themselves into slavery were set free. And our purpose as God's creation was never to be slaves, but to be sons and daughters. So today, because of what Jesus did, he set us free from being slaves to sin. As Romans 6.14 puts it, sin is no longer your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. Thirdly, it was a time when the land that was theirs by birthright as Israelites and therefore God's chosen people was restored to them and any debt they had accrued was completely forgiven. So the land that had been sold or lost because of certain financial situations or any debt that was accumulated, again, mostly because of certain financial situations, which most of these circumstances and situations were caused by their own poor choices or sin, but yet their inheritance was completely restored. Every single debt was wiped clean. So when Jesus said that he came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, he met literally. He bore our sin and death on that cross. The slavery we sold ourselves into, the debt that we got ourselves into that we could never repay, and the bondage that came with it all, Jesus proclaimed release. <laughs> and the year of Jubilee is upon us, and it is time to celebrate our freedom this morning. It's finished. It's done. It's fulfilled. And there is nothing you can do. There's nothing more you can do to earn God's favor and therefore his freedom. Who the sun sets free will be free indeed. <laughs> In closing, as I said earlier, there are far too many Christians living as slaves to sin. Slaves to money, to alcohol, to worry, stress, pornography, work, laziness, fear, control, perfection, anger, gluttony, physical illness, etc., 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 etc. It is well past time that we silence the deceit of the enemy and we hear the proclamation and the declaration of Jesus loud and clear. Those chains, they're gone. That guilt, it's a lie. The fear, it's replaced with power, love, and a sound mind. Whatever it is that you're facing this morning, whatever lie the enemy is screaming at your face that this freedom is not for you, replace it with God's truth. The year of the Lord's favor has been spoken over you by Jesus himself, and it is time that you step into your jubilee and live this full and fruitful life that Jesus paid for, for you. <clears throat> so this morning, I want to have an altar call. 
even right there in your own living room. I want you to, whatever it is that's holding you captive this morning, release it right there on your couch this morning. Because, you know, it's already been nailed to the cross for you. And maybe you don't know this, Jesus, the one who came to set the captives free and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor over you. If you don't know this, Jesus, I want to challenge you to take a step out in faith and get to know him because the life that is to be found when you accept him as your Lord is like nothing that you could ever experience otherwise. So this morning, if you want to get to know this, Jesus, I want you to pray this prayer with me right now or something similar. Let's just pray, Jesus, I want to know you. I want to experience this freedom and this release that leads to fullness and fruitfulness and purpose in you. I confess now with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you are Lord and I ask for wisdom and revelation in every aspect of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, you are now part of an amazing, spiritual, eternal family. Put down in the comment section that you just gave your life to Jesus because we want to connect with you and we want to get some resources in your hands to help you on this new journey. So, so exciting. And for the rest of us, if you're kneeling right now at the altar in your living room and you're ready for those chains to be shaken off once and for all, I want to pray over you and I want to pray in agreement with you this morning. God, thank you so much for your promises. Thank you for this freedom. Thank you for this release that we are no longer slaves to sin because Jesus, you paid for it all. Our debt is washed clean or is wiped clean. Lord, thank you. And God, I just pray right now for my brothers and sisters in Christ for this release to just be manifested by health, by financial prosperity, God, by wholeness in their marriages, God, in their, in their relationships with their children and their families and their friends. God, I just pray for this release to be manifested by a good night's sleep, God, for fear to dissipate, for depression to be squashed, for anxiety to be overcome in your name, in your victory, for your glory, God. In Jesus' name, Lord, amen. Guys, whatever the Spirit spoke to you this morning, whatever chains that you're leaving down right now never to be picked up again, I want you to remember it. I want you to celebrate it. I want you to write it down before you log off this morning so you don't forget. And then go find scripture this week to back up what you experienced with the Spirit this morning because you need to start safeguarding yourself and take up the sword of the Spirit and fight off the lies of the enemy that are going to get thrown at you because the enemy is going to try to deceive you into thinking that you're not free. Those chains are just a part of who you are, but that is not God's truth. So you need to get the sword of the Spirit and fight against it. Look it up. Write it down on a sticky note, put it on your bathroom mirror, put it in your car, put it on your smartphone, whatever it is that's going to get it in your face, in your head, and therefore in your heart and change you from the inside out. I am so excited. And when the enemy does come at you, when real life hits you this week, I want you to remember that those chains are gone and you are a new creation. Let's pray this morning. God, once again, thank you for this opportunity for allowing me to speak your truth to my brothers and sisters. And God, I just pray once again that the purpose for which you set your word does not return void. I thank you, Lord, for that. And I just pray a special blessing upon those listening 
May they receive, Lord, open their spiritual ears, soften their hearts to get what it is that you want them to get, God, and safeguard them. Go before them, go behind them, go beside them, God. Let them know that you will never leave them, never forsake them, and who the sun sets free is free indeed. We love you and we praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for having me this morning, you guys. I am so excited to see you again next week and have a great one.